0: All right, welcome back. It's back to getting after it. It is the Across the Tracks podcast, and uh, we hope that we will bring you some interesting information. We'll have some topics that we'll discuss this evening, and hopefully, uh, you may get something out of it. And I know that my partner and myself, we always get something out of it because we have this conversation at least weekly. <laughs> and we want to continue move, moving forward. So I'm Steve.
1: And I'm Wayne. Back again for another exciting episode of Across the Tracks podcast. Good to be here, my
0: brother. Good to be here. Yes, sir. It is good to be back. It's better to be on my feet instead of in a box. So this is all this it's is all good. It's all good. are We are definitely in the month of August again. Uh, it is August the 8th, so fast, the, you know, how fast the time goes, you know. I, I I told you about life is like a roll of toilet paper, right?
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned that. That was one of the quips you threw in last week. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it,
0: it, it lets you know that there's a lot of truth to that, man. It just seemed like it was yesterday that we had that conversation, but anyway,
1: uh, it's all week,
0: good. Another
1: week has gone
0: by. Another week has gone by, so... I'm going to start this off with a little tonight's broadcast off with kind of a little story. And I'll lead up to it. And, you know, you know, things happen, you know, and, and sometimes you just kind of ignore it. And sometimes things happen so fast that you don't have time to respond to it until, like, afterwards. And then afterwards, you you get, like, emotional and shit about it, you know? So... Yesterday, uh, myself and, you know, six or seven other uh, members of the Corvette Club, we drove up to uh, Gary, or actually to Maryville, Indiana, which is next door, and there is a car show there, and it's put on by Northwest Indiana uh, Corvette Club, which we are, you know, kind of friends to, you know, they come to our car show, we go to theirs and so on, and so, You know, we get up early and we head up there. It's about about a two hour drive to to um, get to Maryville. And we get all set up and everything and got the cars clean. We work on the cars for about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour or so to finish cleaning it up from getting the road dirt off of it and stuff like that. So. I'm standing there and uh, time has gone by and there's a club member. And I'm showing him some things to look on his car to clean it. You know, I so said, go to this spot, you go to this spot, you know, lift up your armrest, you know, look in there, flip your gas tank um, cover. You know, we look in there and, you know, giving all these details in the engine and stuff. So we start to walk away and this guy comes up and is talking to us and he goes, hey, where are all the white people in the Corvettes, and I I looked at the, the guy that I was just getting tips to. I said, I kind of looked at him, he looked at me and he goes, Yeah, where where are all the white people with, with Corvettes? And I I didn't know what to say. It's like, first of all, you go, How do I respond to that? So I know my mind was I know my eyes are probably rolling around. I'm 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 befuddled and I'm looking at uh, my my uh club club uh member he's looking at me and we don't really know how to respond and so the guy goes yeah we're looking up uh, where are all the white people with corvettes and he goes well it it seems like you guys must be doing really well because uh you're you're owning Corvettes so you 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 guys must, must not be in any uh, uh, uh financial difficulties or or you guys must be doing must be be well off and I went Mm. What? <laughs> what? and then he says, well, I, I, I'm going to, you know, take off. You guys have a, have a good day. And so I sit, I sit back and go, what the hell was that? Where are the white people with the Corvettes? Well, first of all, the Northwest Indiana uh, Corvette club, you know they're right next to Chicago and you know Chicago has 8 million people. Right, right. And you know there are black people that own Corvettes all over and and people that go to this show, we had people came in from Memphis, you got people who came up all the way from St. Louis, you got people that came in from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So you got people that came in from Columbus, Ohio and Toledo, Ohio and and Indianapolis came there and you know we had all these uh, people, mostly black Corvette owners, and they had 160 cars. All Corvettes, 95% of them were owned by black folks. You know, from the older models to these brand new C8s that are out
1: there. Right, right.
0: And so I'm thinking to Sam, like, we go sit down, and like, what the hell was that? Did it piss me off? Like, white people can't own... Corvettes or black people can't own Corvettes like I wanted to say you know when you think back like look at this car it's clean it's nice it's fast but the damn car is 17 years old I bought this (laughs) I bought this car like everybody else did all these people out here they either paid cash for it someone inherited they inherited from somebody or they took a loan out to pay for their cars we just didn't come off the plantation and someone gave us a Corvette. So I just kind of, it pissed me off. Mm. And I said, I said, you know, I wish I was like some friends of mine. That's just got a quick wit that would respond right there. Because I'm like, then I start thinking, is this guy mad? Because black folks can own Corvettes. Ah, I went, yeah, probably so. And he looked like one of them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> he looked
1: no, like I, one of them. I, I suspect that was it. I, I don't I get it. I suspect that was it. That he felt, what he looked. I at? Mean, you know, he probably wouldn't come out and say it, but I guarantee you in private, he's probably saying, man, I saw these niggers with these Corvettes. I guarantee you. <laughs> That's probably what he said. Man, I ran in all these niggers with these Corvettes. Who do they think they are? you you don't have a right to anything man.
0: Yeah. Is it? Yeah. And then there's another there's another club member that was that was there and he said he goes they my Nick, they call me coach. No one really knows my name is Steve. So he goes, "Coach, let me tell you this. My wife and I Kim, we've been living in this neighborhood for 20 years and my next door neighbor, you know, we say hi or whatever. He's never come over and spoke." And so, uh, he and his wife was walking down the street and they came up to the house and say, Hey, my name is so-and-so and uh, how you doing? He goes, well, we're, we're doing okay. And he says, is that a Maserati you have in your garage? And the guy said, well, yeah, he goes, y'all ain't supposed to own Maseratis. <laughs> and, and then the wife wow. said, Oh, well, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't mean it that way that you can't own a Maserati. It's just that we hadn't seen one before. And he goes, yes. we know what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So what was it, what do they call it, a Freudian slip?
1: Yeah, Freudian slip,
0: You yep. know, so it just came right out. That's That was what was on his mind, on their minds, and it just came out like, y'all aren't supposed, wait a minute, you got a Corvette and a Maserati? Yeah. I yep. mean, he—the man worked for Citizens Gas for 30 years. He's able to pay for a Corvette and a Maserati. He worked just like everybody else did. That's right. I worked. That's right. You know, it—it just—it just boggles my mind that folks, because I don't, you can't. Right. If that makes right. sense.
1: Right. Yeah, we, we we had a similar situation here, man. Um, several years ago when Danny was um her first after her freshman year of college, um, Cynthia and I joined the the parent council at the college, and whatnot. It it was only a couple of us on the council, me and her, and I think this other other black parents. so we were the minority in the group. But we agreed to host send-off parties for new freshmen going to school in the fall. We, you know, it was all set up with the school. They just needed parents to host the parties. So we agreed to host two parties for the school. So um, the first party we did, I'm, you know, Cynthia's upstairs. She's preparing, you know, finger foods and all this kind of stuff. And I'm greeting the guests when they come in. And the party was downstairs in my basement, which you've been to our house. You you know the layout mm-hmm. of the house and everything. Yep, yep, And so I, the doorbell rings, I go answer the door. It's young lady, her mom, and the dad. The mom says, Oh, hello, we're so-and-so. Um, pleased to meet you. Blah. I say, Yeah, here I'm. We're hosting the party. Everybody's here, boo. Come on in. Well, the dad looks at me and says, Do you live here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like you say, you're 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 numb because you're like, What? <laughs> do, do you live here? And um, I, I'm like, I, like you say, man, you you can't think quickly to come back with something. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I live here, okay. Uh, the party's downstairs. Hey, the party's downstairs. I'll show you. Boom, boom, boom. About thirty minutes later, another family shows up. Same damn thing. Mom and da- the daughter greet. You know, uh, the dad's like, wow, do you live here? <laughs> I, I mean, twice in one day. <laughs> And I told Cynthia about it. I'm like, do you not believe what these two white men asked me? And she said, she said, I don't get it. She's like, like people don't work. And like you say, you're not entitled to anything, man. That's right. There's no way you as a black man can have a nice Corvette, something else in your garage. You can't have a nice home. You can't. No, no, no. That's that's not your M.O. And um, I don't know what that is, man. It's 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 straight up. It's racist. It's, yeah. it's straight up racist, is what it is. You know. And I, I have other friends that have been through the same thing, man. You know, questioning why you have this. How did you get that? But it was like because I, I took my ass to work for every day, for <laughs> years or <and> whatnot. <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, really, you did the same thing. I don't. You know. It's I don't know what that is, man, that only you can have good things. Rest yeah. anybody else? Nope, you're not entitled to that. So that's probably what you were getting, man. He he said there's no way these niggers can own these cars. That's exactly what he was probably saying when he got back to where he was going.
0: Well, hell one time, Wayne, we were at a we were at a back to school function. We were handing out, you know, folders and book bags, you know, the Corvette Club. Was doing that book bags, folders, crayons, you know, markers, pens. And, you know, we have we parked our cars, you know, side by side. And they had a local reporter came up. And the um, local reporter came over to where we were and says, hey, do do you guys rent these cars? (laughs) Uh, I said, excuse me, do you guys rent these cars? I went. No, we own these cars. Why would we rent them? Who would, who would rent you a Corvette? Mm. Oh, we well we we well no no they're ours. We we paid for them. They're not rented. I'm like, and we all looked at one another once again, befuddled. Like, what the hell was that all about? Do we rent Corvettes?
1: Yep. It's it, in the grand scheme of thing, man. The American dream does not belong to anyone that does not look like them. That's the that's that's it. There's no there's no way you came by what you came by. Honestly, that's it. That's the first thing that pops in their mind. You had to get this through some ill gotten means. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, out, I'm out.
0: I'm on the corner slinging, slinging right, some right. Uh, crack. <laughs> right, right. You know,
1: I was. Uh, you, you remember the show Survivors Remorse? Oh yeah, yes, yes. So yes. I, I was watching an episode of it today, and um, the, the the young guy who got the basketball contract to play in Atlanta, yeah, uh, and Mike Epps played his uncle. They went to buy a um, Cadillac Escalade. Went to buy Escalade at the, the car lot. And so you could tell, man, the 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 salesman, the car salesman, he was like, How did these guys get this money? They paid cash for it. He's like, oh, he's like, how did these guys get this money to pay cash for this Escalade? You could tell. Yeah. So Mike Epp said, You probably wonder how we got this money to pay for this Escalade, aren't you? Mm, I know you are. <laughs> like, no, no, that's not one thing. He said, Yeah, you are. He said, I'm gonna tell you how we got it. We got it through selling drugs <laughs> And then the young man comes over, he says, Nah, he said, I I'm so and so. I play for the Atlanta, you know, basketball team, or whatever. But yeah, he, he there's no way these two black guys can pay cash for this escalade. And if they are, where did they get this money from? That was, yeah. you know. Yeah. You're you are not entitled to the American dream, and that's yeah. it.
0: That's the well, bottom line. Well to to put a caveat onto there, we had another club member yesterday who was cleaning his car. And some a different guy came over to him and asked him this almost the same question. Like, where are the white people with Corvettes? And so we started talking back. I said, It was was it a guy that had a hat and glasses on? He goes, No, this guy didn't have a hat and glasses, but he asked the same question. Mm. So yeah. I'm thinking like, what the hell was that all about? Yeah. But but anyway, because I fact- mean you, you
1: guys are a predominantly black club, is that is that true?
0: Only because black people have joined it. We're yeah, we're right. we're not a club that does not want white people in it. That's right, not right. part of it. We right. just haven't had white folks to join the club. That's it. Right, right. You know, I mean, in all of our information, you know, we put out there that Indy Classical Glass Corvette Club is an open club for everybody all we want are Corvette lovers to be a part of the club. That's it. Cool. You know? And same way, I think every Corvette club that's predominantly black is that way. It's, It's the fact that you know, we are predominantly black doesn't mean that we don't allow white folks.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay? Now, I know at one point in time back when the club that I'm in started. I think they were that way, but since I've been in the club, all that stuff is gone. You know, we want we want everybody to be a part of the club. And if you right, own a Corvette, right. you right. like racing them, you like cleaning them, you like going out and hanging out and stuff like that. Come on in. You know, hell, I've got some of my former students that are Corvette owners, and two uh, uh, Mexican kids, they own Corvettes. And I said, "Man, if you guys want to join a club, here we are. Come on and join us, man." I said, "We may even cha- I said, "We may even change the name for you guys." And they go, "What do you want? What do you want to call us Coach J?" And I go, "We'll call it the Homeboys Corvette Club." <laughs> 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 and we'll be- we'll just call each other homies. You know, yeah. I was teasing. I was teasing with them, of course, and they go, "Oh man, Coach Jay, stop acting crazy." I say, "I know, man. I'm just, I'm just yeah. messing with you." <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, I, we started this, this program off by talking about that. But the more you think about it, you know, the more you think, man, I was pissed off. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and it was just, you know, it was one of those delayed reactions. You know, yeah. five minutes afterwards, I went.
1: Yeah, Damn, I, 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 yeah. I I think a lot that they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do when they encounter a successful black person. It, it, it warps them because there there's no way, man, you can achieve what they have achieved. There's no way you can do it. And if you did. There's probably something unscrupulous about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's where the mind goes. And yeah. that's what you guys got. It's like, man, one, it wasn't just, why were all the white folks with Corvettes, But at the same time, it's like, man, you guys got, you, you, all you black guys got all these cars? Yeah. There's <laughs> a, a dual message there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there was over 160 Corvettes there. Wow. You know, of every type. I mean, the newest ones that are out there, there were probably their C8, which is the newest model. Right. There was probably 20, 25 of those out there. Wow. And in order to get one of them, it takes about a year and a half for them to even build it. Wow. You know, I mean, wow. you know, right there in Bowling Green. And then they had a layoff, you know, and a strike and all that stuff at the Corvette uh, factory in Bowling Green. And so those 25 C8s, those brand-new vets, man, these people had, had ordered those things probably two years ago. Wow. Yeah, And every type of thing that you could imagine, they put on those brand-new vets, man. They got them painted in detail. There was three or four brand-new ones that was logoed in the Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Stuff all over. You know, some of that stuff to me is gaudy. You know, That's it's like right. it's way over the top. But you name it, everybody's got their own taste. I talked to one guy who had just got a brand new black C8. And he put a matte finish over, a matte wrap around it. Took the brand new shiny vet and put a black matte wrap over the entire car. Wow. It looked it it looked it was different,
1: yeah, because yeah. it was
0: matte black, and as soon as you different see it, you go man that's that's a matte black car mm. so it's it's amazing
1: yeah
0: all right, so uh, that's enough right. of that you know we we talked about it, and it was a little interesting um uh topic of uh communications yesterday amongst the corvette club members,
1: yep yep
0: and yep. um yeah, we'll we'll move on. We're, I'm a, I'm gonna throw this over to your uh, over to your uh, ballpark now, and let's talk about some other things we're gonna we're gonna discuss this. Yeah, let's. Um,
1: I was I was um, you know cruising through the various news feeds yesterday, and um, I think it was the um, I forgot what I was looking at, but something caught caught my attention, and it has to do with vaccinations in this country <clears throat> versus what's going on in the world. And the two commentators that were that were discussing this issue um, made a point that here we are. We're one of the most prosperous countries on the planet. We have vaccines to give away to people. They're free. You don't have to pay anything. And you have a huge Faction of the world, primarily Africa, uh, countries in the Caribbean, uh, other what some people call third-world nations, are clamoring for the vaccine, and we've got idiots in this country that don't want to take it. Yes. So the one commentator said, "You know what we ought to do in this country? All these states, and primarily they're in the South right now, that they don't want to take the vaccine. You know what?" Take all the vaccine away from those states and give it to these countries. Give it to these people that want it in these countries, in the Caribbean, in Africa. When I, give it to them. Let them have access to it. And then the guy said, you know what's going to happen when you do that, right? Then people are saying, hey, you're violating my rights. I want my <laughs> vaccine, you know? And he's, yeah. like, he's like, that's exactly, he said, you're right. That's exactly what would happen. These dumbass people would be saying you're violating my rights. I want my vaccine, but you don't want to
0: take it, and so it why is oh go ahead because you're viola- Let me see why they don't want to take it because you're violating their rights, right?
1: <laughs> but you know, it's like you know, other countries, man, and they were showing the percentages of Jamaica, Haiti, um, Barbados, a lot of countries in the Caribbean and Africa. They're they're in bad shape too the percentage of their population that has been vaccinated. And the only reason why those numbers aren't high, they don't have access to the vaccine. Right. So this one guy said, you know what? Arkansas, Mississippi, all these places where these dumbasses don't want to take the vaccine. You know what? Collect it all up and say, as of today, there is no more vaccine available for you guys. We're shipping it to people who really want it. And are interested in not only saving their lives, but the lives of others around them. So we're we're shipping it out. And the guy said, Yeah, that's that's what we ought to do. But he said, as soon as they do, these Yahoos are gonna come back and say, wait a minute, you're violating my rights. I want my vaccine. <laughs> it's like you can't, it's crazy, man. It is yeah. utterly crazy that we find ourselves in the position we're in. Free. You don't have to pay, and you still can't get people to do the right thing. Um, I, I don't know.
0: Your thoughts? Yep. Well, I, I, I will say this. The, the sooner that we get the vaccine to the different parts of the world, yes. those third world countries or, you know, Africa, the Caribbean, or these uh, places that are uh, economically challenged, that don't have infrastructure and so on, the sooner that we get to them, the sooner that they're going to start eliminating yep. the, vac- the, uh, uh, the virus. And there's going to be fewer, probably, mutations in the virus that will uh, not make it back to the United States. Right, right. So the faster that we can get the world uh, vaccinated or vaccinated, then it's going to help us down the road, you know, four or five, six years from now, when it, it's not going to go away. Right. Okay. No. But no. we can we can cut back on the different strains that develop if the whole world is vaccinated. Right. It it almost reminds me of what um, uh, George W. Bush did when he went after the AIDS crisis in Africa. You know, he went after you know, shipping, uh, the AIDS, uh, cocktail and literature and all those things to stop the spread of AIDS throughout Africa. yep. And which was a positive thing to do. I mean, just to educate people that, you know, if someone has HIV that you just can't, you know, be having sex with them and stuff like that because you're passing it on. So he did that in order to stop the spread of AIDS and it made a big impact on that. Yeah. We have to do the same with this, um, with this uh, Delta variant, uh, variant, and uh, the COVID-19 virus. Once the more that we get people, we get uh, immunated, uh, the the better it's going to be for us in the long way, long way, yeah. the long road.
1: Okay. Yeah, I I don't see why we just don't do it, man. Because we we have people here that are going to be ignorant. They're always going to be ignorant. <laughs> And uh, you know, hey, let's look. Let's look beyond the, the borders of this country. Let's look beyond the world. You know, yep. look, look at the world. Like, okay, what can we do to help the world? Because a lot of these people, man, that are, you know, they don't want to take it. Whatever, you don't realize this. This is a world issue, but they're in their little whatever silo and wherever they live, some little town in the south, whatever, and and being stupid don't realize that this is a world problem. It's not just your problem there in Mississippi or Arkansas or wherever. wherever. This is a world problem. And uh-huh. so I, I wish the Biden administration would just say, you know what? You guys don't want it. Let's just move on. Let's We have the means to do it. We have the distribution channels. Hook up the world. Hook up the rest of the world and let's try to beat this thing down, man. But I we here you know how we are in America, man. We, we 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 squawk about things being this or that. But as soon as somebody takes something away, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You know you're violating my rights. You know why? Did, it's like come on, man. You can't have it both ways.
0: Right. All right. And that's can't today's society things. is we we yeah. can have it both ways. Right.
1: And Just and this like, is one.
0: Oh, go ahead. Is it goes back to my incident yesterday. If I can't own a Corvette, then you shouldn't be able to own a Corvette. Yeah. Same deal. Yeah. If, I, if if somebody else is going to get vaccinated, well, why can't I get vaccinated? Right. Well, if right. poor people are being helped through SNAP, or um, then what am I getting out of it? Right. I don't. Right. I don't. I don't have to get SNAP, but they're getting SNAP, so we don't like that. you know, know, welfare. Yeah. They're too stupid
1: to realize, like, look at your economic situation compared to someone else's, man. I mean, we're a capitalistic society. So there's always going to be somebody that's got more than the other guy. That's just how it is. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that someone is taking something from you if you don't need it. Why are you begrudging someone who isn't as fortunate as you? That's, that's what I don't get about this country, man. And, and I tell you, man, I don't, I don't want to digress a long time, but that's what's pissing me off about America, man. It's, it's you get to a point and, you know, we're in our 60s now and it's like, what the hell is wrong with our country, man? Everybody's against somebody because they think somebody's taking something from them. Well, but if sure. I don't need it, what do I care yeah. Why do I care? I don't need it. I have done well. You've done well. We know friends that have done well, but we also know some of our friends that haven't fared as well as we have. And there are, there are mechanisms in place to help people in this country that need an extra hand. So if you don't need it, what where are you begrudging somebody uh, using what is available to them to help them get a better leg up in, in society. I, I don't get it. That's the thing with this country that's really pissing me off now, man. Really pissing me off.
0: Yeah. Hopefully it'll get better, but not going to be anytime soon, I don't Nope. Think. Nope. Not anytime soon. Not in the least. Yeah. Not
1: in the yep. least. So as as Childish Gambino says, this is America, man. <laughs> this, yep. this is America. And uh, it, it's, it's not a pretty sight at times. But we'll digress and move on. So let's talk about America for a minute, um, for a minute or two, as the, what is it, 32nd games, uh, 32nd Olympic games are winding up. They're probably already done because it's already Monday in Japan. uh, But the 32nd Olympic games wrapped up uh, in Tokyo today. Uh, I think the closing ceremonies will be on tonight. They're probably already on uh, here in, this, in the States. But um, I'll let you kick it off, man. What were your reflections on um, the overall Team USA, regardless of what, was it was track, whatever, what were your reflections on Team USA in this particular Olympic Games?
0: Well, I think that... We- we normally do fairly well in the Olympics simply because, you know, we we've got a good sized population. We have a lot of uh, private country club sports now. Most of America is country club type sports. So if you're going to play volleyball, you have to be on the club team. If you're going to be uh, play soccer, you have to be on the club team. Uh, for baseball economically, you have to, uh, be play travel ball, uh, with basketball, you have to play AAU basketball. So because of the, um, because of the expenses of being involved in sports today, the United States has had an advantage because some of the other smaller, uh, countries without a huge infrastructure like we have and so on, they don't have the wherewithal in order to send all their kids to these places and so on. Uh, I I, I kind of say this because, you know, after coaching high school football and track for, you know, 30 years, I could see the, the progress, the progression moving forward, you know, and the other industrialized countries, if you look at the, the the biggest industrialized countries, they're the ones that's winning all the medals because they got the wherewithal, they got the finances, they got the economies that can support national sports. Overall, United States, I think they had we had like a hundred and twelve or thirteen thirteen medals, yeah,
1: closely thirteen,
0: yeah, closely followed by China and then. The uh, Russian whatever Olympic committee
1: yeah, ROC.
0: Yeah, the the <laughs> you know the ones that didn't have to do any testing before they came over here. Right, right. And then followed by I think Britain and then Japan were were the tops. But overall, I think we we did well, uh, especially the last couple of days. I mean we yeah. were. We were struggling a little bit early. You know, Simone Biles, you know, she didn't compete as a team, and people were pissed off about that. But she was able to uh, come back and uh, win a medal uh, that I know of. I don't know if she won two or not, but I know she won yeah. at least yeah. a bronze on the balance yeah. beam, I think it is. Yeah,
1: she won a bronze for her uh, balance beam routine, I believe it yep. was. Yep.
0: yeah And And um, the— um, men's basketball team came back and whooped up on France, who had beat them the first first game of the Olympics. So they had to suck it up and and get better and know that they um, had to uh, play their ass off in order to win. Yeah. Uh, there were records in swimming. Uh, there were some American divers. There was a, a marathoner that came in third, a lady marathoner. And of course, you know my sport, like one of my favorite sports, track and field. You know, uh, we did well, won lots of golds. Uh, Allison Felix became the most decorated uh, athlete in track and field history for the United States. Um, I tell you what, looking at the the some of the new track people, like the the 19-year-old girl from, um, I think New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's her name? A thing, Mo? Oh, Moo. I think, Moo. Yeah, Moo. Man.
1: Yeah. yeah, she is tough.
0: She Ooh. is going to be around for a yep. while. And she
1: and, is tough, man. She, she ran had, that last leg of that relay. Uh, four by four? It? Man, wow. <laughs> I and mean,
0: man. Man, she took off. I mean, they had the perfect storm of a team. Yep. You know, and there wasn't anybody really to push them. Nope. You know, if they would have had somebody to push them, they probably would have broken the world record.
1: Yeah. Because I, I you thought, always
0: run better when you get competition.
1: Yeah. yeah. I thought the Jamaican women would be the one pushing them, but uh, that the wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, when you talk about the 100 and 200, you 200, you talk about Jamaica. Yeah. When you talk about the 400, you, you talk about the United States, you know, yeah. the, and, and other countries, but definitely the U.S. As, as a matter of fact, the the toughest race in all of track and field is the 400 meters by far the toughest race in all of track and field is the 400 meters because when you finish running it man you know lacto lacto acids is in your system your legs feel like man i well you know how it is you you ran for roy speck didn't you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you finish the 400, man. You don't want to do anything. Your booty hurts. Yeah. You, you know, you can hardly pick your legs up. You can't <laughs> move your arms. And when I was coaching, I trained everybody as a 400 meter runner. Right, right. You know, you can go up to the eight if you're not as fast, but you got some endurance, or you can go down when we need you to the one and the two, you know? Right. So I thought, you know, the United States did well. I mean, we had um, 33 gold. Forty-one silvers and uh, thirty-nine bronze. So, uh, you know, I, I take that back. Thirty-nine gold. Yeah, thirty-nine gold. Forty-one <clears throat> silver and thirty-three bronze. So, you know, it, it was good. I, I didn't watch a lot of that. I only, to me, the Summer Olympics is not the Summer Olympics until track and field starts. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I watched the. I watched the basketball final. Actually, it was on. I was actually taking a test for my fraternity while it was on. And this test took me forever to do this. So by the time that the game was uh, I started the test when the game started. I finished the test finally when the damn game ended. Mm. It took that long to wow. through <laughs> you know, this test, man. It was a pain in the ass. But yeah, it was it was I thought the Olympics were were good with no comp with no um people in the stands other than um you know a few coaches and so on right right um i don't i don't i wish that it was was on more channels but you know it's this that's the world that we are today Right, right. How about you, man? What are your thoughts? Yeah,
1: I, uh, I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of the events, like you say. I, I, I believe that I just our view. Once the track events start, okay, now let's tune in.
0: You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I watched some of the swimming. You know, like okay, let's check out some of the swimming. The one young lady, the one sister that uh, I think she won gold. Um, she she won gold in a in a swimming event. Her name was Manuel
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah um and i saw her swim uh but yeah I, I wasn't watching i i tuned into some of the basketball games even when the u.s wasn't playing i'd watch some of the basketball games just to just to see who's playing where uh but i really tuned in once the track and field event started and, you know, some of the events that, you know, the sprinting, yeah, it's always going to be exciting. But I, I actually watched some of the um, decathlon and, the, and mm-hmm. the, the pentathlon, some of those, and the heptathlon. Watched some of those. The marathon, of course, I, I was like, man, there's no way these Kenyans are going to lose. And uh, it's just amazing, man, to watch these guys run, man. Yeah. They, just, they just so effortlessly run yes. 26 miles, and it's like— Nobody's and going to beat them.
0: I have never, I run every day, Wayne, and I have never run a mile as fast as they run those 26 guys, miles. Yeah,
1: those <laughs> guys be booking, man. And I'm like, and, and they keep it up for that long, for 26 miles. And I'm like, yeah, wow. So the same thing, the Kenyan men's, they won the men's and they won the women's as well. So. It it was good watching the marathon. I, I stayed up late last night to watch the women's uh, basketball final. Basketball final. Uh, yeah. Don Staley. Kudos to Don Staley. She was the first black woman to win a Olympic gold medal coaching that team. Yep. And there was no way. I there was. I had more faith that the women were going to win gold. I wasn't sure about the guys, but the women's team. There was no way. Nobody was going to beat those that group of women that they assembled for that team. No way. Yeah, I agree. They 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 had a squad, and so uh, watch them. Uh, Japan played played, you know, they played hard and whatnot, but the U.S. just had too much talent, too much height on the inside. So, yeah, yep. uh, so uh, they've been they got a dynasty going in women's basketball, uh, and and the world hasn't caught up with women's basketball like it has on the men's side. Yeah. I think, well, rest,
0: it's eventually it's going to eventually it's, it will when they start recruiting more people from the European countries, because right. right. that's what happened with the United States. All these people that, that played against them, they all play in the NBA. Now All
1: play in the NBA. Yep. Yeah.
0: You know I mean? Do you remember who was the first international uh, basketball player that came to the U.S. that you can remember, that was recruited by the NBA. Do you remember?
1: I remember quite a few, man. Well, you had big man um, played for Russia. Um, What is his? His son plays for the Pacers uh, now. Big man, center. Uh, What was his name? His son plays for the Pacers now, plays center for the Pacers. He was a big-time basketball star in Russia.
0: I mean, I just I'm just asking the question because I don't I know there's been plenty, but I don't remember who was the the
1: first one. He he was the one I remember because everybody's like, man, we want to get this guy into the NBA. But he stayed. He stayed overseas too long. And by the time he made the commitment to come to the league, he had some knee problems. And whatnot, and uh, he came over, played with the Portland Trailblazers for years, and then he finally retired out of, out of out of the league uh, with Portland. But he was one of the ones that I remember that people were actively recruiting to try to get him. He was, was pass, he could shoot as a big man. This was Ser- before you had
0: Sergio. Uh, what was his Sergio- name? Sergio mm-hmm. oh, Manio Manio. No. No,
1: if you the, the Pacers roster, his son right now plays either plays center or plays uh, the four for the Indiana Pacers and got a lot of his dad's game. In oh, Diva. No, not Diva. It's not, Divac, not oh, Vladi. This was before Vladi. OK, this was big man played for Russia. And the, the, he was one of the ones that I knew from back in the day that people were actively yeah, yeah, like, yeah. man, we want this guy to come over and play in the league. Yeah. And he would never make that commitment because he, he was having a big career in Europe. And when he finally did make the decision to say, OK, I'm going to go try my hand in the NBA. Well, he'd had some knee injuries. He was still effective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if you looked at some of his YouTube videos when he was young, man, he was a beast. And this was when there was still solid post play, and you played from the inside out. Right. Oh right. gosh, I can't believe I can't remember this guy's name. Big time. If you if you're in Indiana, if you look up the Pacers roster and you you name some of their, I think yep, that's him. Oh, what is his name?
0: Man, I don't even care. You know me. I tell you, I don't even.
1: I don't oh, know. What
0: the, I don't know what the Pacers are doing. Because I'm like,
1: yeah. <laughs> He he was one of the ones that I knew that was like people are like, man, we want this guy in the league. Uh, because he is he is a beast. And he was like seven foot.
0: I know who you're talking about. I just can't. Very versatile.
1: Name. Uh very versatile. No. no. Uh nope.
0: Uh, uh okay. Well anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll find yeah. it out before this this is over with probably
1: yeah he uh uh big man tough uh and again by the time he came over he had had some knee injuries and played with portland trailblazers for years and uh retired out of out of portland and uh but he was one of the ones i knew and then after he came into the league then you started to seeing okay you had the uh sharonis marcelunas you had Drazen Petrovic, who was could flat out shoot the rock, man. He was he was a hell of a player, and then the the gates just opened, man. You had Deadlift Shrimp. I don't know if yep. you remember Deadlift. Oh Detlef yeah, now
0: here I remember Deadlift Shrimp, man.
1: You know, a, and a lot of the guys, Smits. Started, yeah, yeah. Rick Smiths, the dunking Dutchman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, all of these guys started coming over, man, and 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 they they were fundamentally sound players. Sabonis. Sabonis, that's it. Yes, Sabonis. Yeah. He yeah. was the one that people were like, man, we gotta get this guy in the league. People were like, man, come over, come over. And he wouldn't make the move. But man, if you look at go out and look at some YouTube videos of a young Sabonis, man, he was a beast. And he he could shoot. This was before you had guys now seven footers shooting threes. He was he was flexible enough to do that then. Yeah. You know, so he was one of the first ones I remember that people were acting like, bring this guy over. Does he want to come? They're offering him a deal to come over. He just he was having too much of a career in Europe at the time. So but um, yeah, at some point on the women's side. The rest of the world will catch up. Uh, I don't see that happening in 2024 no, no. because. There are so many women uh, that didn't play on this team <laughs> who who probably they would have won gold if you'd have subbed out a few people here or there. The WNBA, man, I'm telling you, it's it's for real, man. It is for real. I love the WNBA, man. And uh, you've got some women out there that can just flat-out ball, man. They, just, yep. they can play the hell out of ball. And it's like I said before, it's good fundamental basketball, A lot of that was on display last night. Uh, You had Don Staley, who played in the Olympics. She won a gold. She won a NCAA championship at South Carolina. So she's been around the game. She knows the game. And um, those ladies, man, they... uh, they are getting it done, man. So if you, if you ever get a chance to go to a game, man, I encourage you to do so. You have no, a, hell I will. Of a good time.
0: I will. I will. I'll get there. I'll get there. Like
1: I, said, I have watch a hell of a, And you know what? It's really funny, man. It's it's amazing. I know so many of these women's names like I used to know guys who played in the NBA. Yeah. I know the star players of all these teams. And it's like, boy, he's like, are you this deep in the women's basketball? I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, wow. I mean, they just, I'm like, you're amazed at some of the stuff you see them do on in the flow of a game, man. And it's, and it's the way it's supposed to be done. Right. So uh, I appreciate the talent. Only thing I say is, man, they they need to pay those ladies. um, They need to get that pay up to make it equitable. Uh, because they are professional athletes and that's been an issue not just in women's basketball a lot of the women's sports there is a significant uh pay gap there and uh so these ladies are out there they're training they're putting in the work refining their game practicing doing uh, pay them accordingly you know pay pay them a fair wage to uh to ply their trade so okay. but yeah i thought the olympics were great man um We'll see uh, 2024 right around the corner, man. So, uh, yes, it's it's uh, it's amazing. The months are flying by and the years are doing it as well. So, yeah, 2024 Paris uh, Summer Games. We'll see. I saw today, man. just six months. The Winter Games will be coming up. I <laughs> know, yeah, man. That's that's how fast time is flying. Well, we had a year
0: off, so because of yeah. the, the, so the Winter Games are always a, a, a two years afterwards. So yeah, like two yeah. years yeah. apart. Yep since COVID took away one year, it's just, you know, it's just how it is. I, I, one final thing with the Olympics. I hope the men's track sprinters get their act together.
1: Absolutely.
0: They haven't passed the damn baton in what? Four Olympics, man. They haven't. That was, that was embarrassing. Terrible. That was
1: embarrassing.
0: That was embarrassing. Not, not alone that you're going to get beat by the Jamaicans, but (laughs) the fact that you don't come in at least second. Right. Right. You know, it's, that's, you know, they didn't even qualify for the finals. Nope,
1: that you know? was a bit embarrassing.
0: Yeah, that's that's you know, Carl Lewis. He had a little rant going on there. Oh yeah, he blasted him, man. And, and which, rightly so, because you know, America's. I mean, Jamaicans. I, I had a shirt that I made up that I every year that we started track season, I always came up with a catchy little shirt that I came up with, right. So one of my last years was doing the last Olympics. You know the the school that I uh taught at is called the uh, the mascot, the mascot. The <laughs> What am I I'm trying to say? The mascot, that's the word I'm looking for. The mascot are the Falcons, right? So right. on the front of the shirt it's got, you know, um we uh, run like weeds, like in J- broken English, Jamaican, you know, mm-hmm. on the back it says the Jamaicans are the world's best sprinters because they want to be the world's best sprinter. Not that it's given to them every day, you know, um, Johan Blake wanted to beat Usain Bolt yep. and Usain Bolt said, I'm not going to let you beat me. So they <laughs> they competed against one another every day. And say, unlike Americans, we just assume that, you know, I was the top sprinter last year, that, you know, I'm just going to be the top sprinter. Nobody competes against them. Right, right. You know, when you have a—we have a—I had a distance runner that nobody could run with her because they were too damn lazy to run hard. So she never got better, okay? She was good, but she never got better because nobody wanted to run with her because, you know, and so— I would do stuff like that. You know, the Jamaicans are the fastest in the world because they want to be the fastest in the world. Yep. You know, yep. so... I American think it's the same. American sprinters need to get get, back, get their act together, man.
1: Yep. I think it's the same thing with the, uh, the Kenyan distance runners, man. Yeah. <laughs> they are not going to let you beat them.
0: No. Nope.
1: You know, they are not going to let you beat them. And, uh, you know, it's... I just like... It amazes me to watch them run, man. They just... They keep that pace for 26 miles. I'm like,
0: there's one. No a, <laughs> one other thing that helps them is that marathoning is their national sport. Yes. Not soccer, like most of the third world. Yep. Marathoning is their national sport. So everybody grows up wants to be a marathoner. Yeah. It's like everybody in America, everybody's going to go to the NBA or go to the NFL. Yep. Okay? And so everybody is funneled that way. And when you only have a team of about four people and you have a country of 20 million and most of those millions of people are very, very young. You're always going to have runners. Plus the fact that they're going to get out of that country because they're going to be running in Europe and going to be making money in places like that because Europe pays. Okay. If you want to be a professional, if you want to be a professional track runner, you don't stay in the United States. Nobody wants to come and see track and field until the Olympic years, right? Right. But you got to make a living in between. So what do they do? They go to Europe and run. They make millions of dollars over in Europe. Yeah. Okay. It's like those Kenyans. I'm going to go run in Europe. I'm leaving Kenya. I'm going to send money back home to mom and dad and uncles and aunts, but I'm making a living there. So they, they always, they're always going to be that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're, they're amazing to watch, man. And, I just, uh, that's one of the events. I like to watch the marathon just uh, because I'm like, man, I know the Kenyans are going to win, but I just want to watch it develop. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know, so, but yeah, overall, great Olympics. uh, You know, what is it? 2021, three years. We'll hook up, do it again. Yes, sir. Do it again in Paris. So, uh, top of the hour. And uh, one last topic or one other, unless you have something additional, we have a passing to talk about to wrap up tonight. Okay. And that is the, uh, the co-founder of one of the, I think, one of the greatest groups in R&B history passed yesterday. Dennis Thomas, co-founder of Cool and the Gang, passed yesterday. And uh, I think it was what? Was it uh, a couple of months ago that uh, Ronald Bell... Yep. um passed. So two members of Kool and the Gang have passed here uh here in, in in a span of months. So uh we reflected on Kool and the Gang then um you know reflections on Kool and the Gang again. I again I think they're one of the one of the greatest R&B groups um to come across that we we grew up with them uh back in the day. You know they were a jazz act when they started, but then they you know, started doing more funk and R&B. But as I uh, I was talking to a guy on the Internet today, you know, people were talking about Dennis Thomas and cooling the Gang. And there isn't a wedding that I have not done <laughs> yeah. that you can put celebration on and the floor is packed. Right. <laughs> it's packed to this day. And so they they've got some timeless classics, man, that I think will they have, they're standing. I think they're going to continue to stand the test of time. So yeah. Uh but um, great group, uh, Dennis Thomas, Ronald Bell, all those guys, man, that formed their group. Uh, sad to hear uh, another another one of their uh leaders has uh, has passed on. Your thoughts.
0: Yeah. Um I think that 1980 1980- eighty eighty one album, Ladies' Night, I think it was.
1: Yeah. Yep. That, that was their yep.
0: that was our greatest album. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and as you mentioned, they were a lot like Earth, Wind and Fire. They started off as a jazz fusion group. Yeah. And then morphed into uh a more pop group, you know. And I mean this time of the year, how can you not play Summertime, you know? Yeah.
1: You know,
0: yeah. A, a lot of people don't realize that the original <laughs> was the original. Yeah. And people have used it to, um you know, to make more money off of it. But it's it's an old jazz song. It is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and a lot of people don't realize that. So to me, that was their... That was their biggest breakthrough to me. You know, yeah. summertime.
1: Summertime. Summer Madness.
0: Summer yeah. Madness, yes. Summer, Summer Mad- Madness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and then they went on. And once again, you you can't have a band in the 70s without having a horn section. That's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't have a band without having a horn section back in those days. And everything else that went along with it. and And usually... You didn't have a band without them always throwing strings in there. That's right. You know, so now it's yeah. everything is so digital, it's just not the same music.
1: So. No, no. Yeah, I was thinking Dennis Thomas, he played uh, saxophone. He played a variety of instruments for the group. Uh, but And and like you say, man, it was like musicianship. It was all about those, those 70 bands. It was musicianship, man. Right and uh it was it was fun to watch uh, and and like just to be a part of that man i uh and the gang was at the Winter Park Jazz Festival several years ago. I missed them because I was in Seattle then. And that was one of the few festivals I didn't come back for, but cool in the gang was this was the closing act on Saturday, the year that we missed it because okay. uh, I was in Seattle then. So I'd always wanted to see them. Uh, I missed them that time at the winter park jazz festival. And then they were at a casino in Seattle and I missed that too. <laughs> so I've missed them on two occasions and, uh, you know, that was one of the groups I always wanted to see live and, uh, you know, who knows? Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, with two of the founding members uh, passed away, uh, you know, hopefully they're going to continue. I'm sure they'll bring in new players. But there's something about, you know, when the original members pass on and you get a reincarnation of the group and maybe there's only one original member. It's like,
0: yeah, eh. <laughs> it's, not this,
1: it's not the same. It's not the same. Not the, the same. The music is good.
0: Yeah. You but know the vocals the are never sound the same.
1: Good, but uh, you know it's 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 not the same. So right, right, right. It's not the same. So
0: I mean, you can you can do like the Temptations. You know when Eddie Kendricks left, and David Ruffin left. You know they just swapped. You know David Ruffin for Eddie Kendricks. Eddie Kendricks left, and they brought in Dennis Edwards. Yeah. You know Dennis Edwards wasn't one of the originals. You know. But he made his presence made, right, known. Right, right. And then also at the time that he him coming in also was a time in which they were starting to change R&B yeah. at the same time. Because the Temptations yeah. went from, you know, talking about love songs all the time that, you know, 1970s when they wrote Ball of Confusion, that was when that was produced. Yeah. Yeah. So you had the Vietnam War coming in you had, that was going on at the time. A lot of social changes were going on and the temptations were going through the same thing. You know, yeah. they were singing about the time they were talking about getting high on cloud nine. Yeah. Psychedelic so talking, shack. Psychedelic shack. OK. <laughs> you know, masterpiece, you know, yeah. Papa was yeah. a rolling stone, you know, yeah. all these things <laughs> that was going on that was. Society was changing and they were part of that, you know, yeah. that time period, the, the, the ni- 1969 to about 1975 or so, that was the greatest part of music because yeah. you had so many social changes going on. You know, you had the war going on. You know, we were graduating from high school in 75 and the war had just yeah. ended in 75. And you had a, people that were protesting out in the streets and there yeah. were uh, uh, civil rights things that was going on. America was going through a challenge, but it wasn't like today. Nope. you know, nope. so there were some real life issues and Kool and the Gang were all part of that. And one other thing that Kool and the Gang did, they also started. Was one of the first groups to start using synthesizers. Yep. You know, so Summer Madness synthesizers, and you know, remember Jungle Boogie? Yep. (laughs) You know, so that was that was different. You know, they they did some different things. So yeah, Dennis. uh, We said Dennis Thomas. Yeah, he's Thomas. Yeah, it was it was good stuff, and that music is timeless.
1: It It is. It is. It is timeless, man. And I was cutting grass yesterday. I was out cutting grass, and I put my headphones on, and I put on my Cool in the Gang playlist, and I <laughs> cut grass and weed eat it. and I made it through. I've got about twenty-five tracks on the playlist. I made it through twelve. <laughs> so, gotcha. But uh, but you mentioned something, man. Before we before we move up, move out and wrap this one up, you mentioned the Temptations song uh, masterpiece. Yes. I think that is one of the most underrated temptations song because a lot people, a lot of people don't talk about that song. No, but there are so many. Oh man, so many things in that song that are like, man, this is harsh reality. I mean, this, yes, sir. This, and that is that is a classic track, man. But you don't hear a lot of people talking about masterpiece.
0: Right, and it it blends the jazz. It goes from jazz right into. Yep goes right into the R&B goes yeah. right into pop yeah. and it's talking about issues that are there I mean it's yeah. You see, yeah. you're gonna you're going to make me listen to that tonight. <laughs>
1: hey, I, I, as you brought up, I'm like, you know what? I got some stuff I got to do for, I got a medical appointment tomorrow. I got to fill out some paperwork. I said, I'm probably going to listen to Masterpiece while I fill out this paper.
0: Yeah, and and the other thing, <laughs> the other thing, Wayne, is that it was a long song. You know, it, it wasn't, was. it wasn't it was. two minutes, you know, yeah. two minutes and 30 seconds. You know, it, it was like eight long. or nine or 11 minutes or something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it's long. It's long. Yeah. And I remember the album. I think the album that it's black. The album is black. And I don't think that that's the probably the the only song that got a lot of publicity off that album yes. was was that track. But again, when you people mention Temptations, it's my girl, I wish it would rain, Papa Was you hardly ever hear that song mentioned as wow, yeah, they did that song. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah. It's a it's a fantastic song. So yeah.
0: psychedelic shock, man.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably have to have to have to listen to it. Later. <laughs>
0: but,
1: man, I'm, I'm, you got me want to pull it out of the
0: archives. <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna go ahead and go to my Apple Music and download the whole album since yeah. you know, I can I can do that. You know.
1: Yeah. So. It, it it yeah. It, it's one of theirs. One of those songs, man. That you know, it's it's part of their catalog, but you don't hear a lot mentioned about it. That's unfortunate because it's the words are just as relevant when they did them then as they are now. Yeah. You know, yep. that's,
0: that's the same. So this repeats itself. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only the only difference with history then different now is that people used to talk about revolution and never did it. Now right. people just do it. Right. <laughs> you right. Know? They just want right. we're going to go and stop the steal. We're right. going to take over. This is our house.
1: Yeah. yeah. The revolution is being televised. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. The revolution is being televised. Yes, yep, yep, yep. All right, my friend. Uh, okay. well, unless you have some something else, I think that'll do it for this episode of Across the Tracks. Uh,
0: I think we 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 touched on a few things. You know, it's one of those open one of those open mic nights. Thank you yeah. Much, yeah. So. Every
1: now and then you got to do one of those. Yeah. Know? Yep. You never so, know where the conversation may take you. So tonight we, we went a variety of directions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yes, sir. It's all well, good. To all of, all of our followers out there, we hope you enjoyed tonight. We, we kind of went off in a couple different tangents, but that's, that's how it goes. Sometime. This is, you know, this is live stuff that we we're talking about, you know, as right. we go through it. Of course we kind of edit and so on, but, um, yeah, we we just continue to move forward we continue to talk about the issues we're going we're gonna uh, say it like we see it and hopefully next week we're we're talking about some things that will spark your interest and allow you to come back to and listen to the across the tracks podcast because we're just two small town guys growing up from Elizabethtown Kentucky
1: absolutely absolutely, absolutely. so uh, Until we meet again, I will sign off with uh, have a blessed week coming up. Be safe. Uh, Don't put yourself at risk. Don't put other people at risk. Mask up if it's a requirement in the area in which you live. We all want everybody to be safe.
0: Absolutely. And I concur. And with that, I always say I'm going to start saying and have been saying the past few episodes is that we got to get out and vote, folks. Drag somebody with you. Put yep. them in your car. Put them in your trunk like we used to do when we used to go <laughs> to the uh, drive-in theater. Okay. Take them to the polling places. Bring yep. them some water. Dad, the hell with the regulations. Bring them some water. Bring them a stool. Okay. Yep. Then yep. Uh, if they say that you can, uh, can't give them water, give them some milk. Give them some Gatorade. <laughs> Give them some orange juice.
1: Yeah, they okay. said water. They didn't say nothing about Gatorade.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, get some get some damn Pedialyte out there.
1: Right, right. <laughs> they
0: said water.
1: You can't give people water. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one.
0: <laughs> so with that in mind, we're going to say like three strikes. And we're out. We're out. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of the individual's and do not reflect on the official policies or positions of any government or corporation.